That's the way it goes when your daughter works are growing. They're just going to have great revival, and we're behind them a thousand percent. Brother Prado, come and preach to us. Put your hands together under the Lord for the man of God. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. And uh, I do want to apologize very quickly to the media team. Uh, when I got up here, God really just dealt with me uh, about what I'm going to preach here today. And um, I feel like I'm free to preach what I was going to originally preach. That's not a problem. Uh, but I, I do have a desire to really help and uh, to leave leave something here after I'm gone. And um, so I'm going to try to obey God. I could count on one hand how many times this has happened to me. So, uh, But I want to obey the Holy Ghost. So if you have your Bibles... Song of Songs. My, I'm drawing a huge blank. Is it Songs of Solomon in King James? Songs of Solomon? Is it Song of Songs or Song of Solomon? And uh, there's a reason I can't, my mind's not working right now, but. Um, yes. He will be preaching at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. You're all invited. God bless you. So Song of Songs, Song of Songs. Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon. Um, let me just say this quickly as before I take my text. <clears throat> when we started our church in Alameda, uh, several people here have been there. And we've even reached out to some Spokane folks uh, that are out there in Oakland. And sis, I'm still going to reach out for your son and your daughter. I'm not done. Hallelujah. You have my word. Praise God. We've... we've uh, we have a few uh, Spokane people out there wandering, and we're gonna we're gonna either get them in there or bring them back here. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God in Jesus' name. And um, but I called Brother Mayo and I said, you know, Brother Mayo, we have a tiny storefront building. I just I just want to throw this out there. Not that I feel this is an issue, but um, I said, Brother Mayo, here's our deal. We have a small church. I was still evangelizing at the time, but we have a building. It's a great opportunity. And, uh, and Brother Mayo said, we'll pay the first month's rent. So I, I do want you to know this, that every penny you guys take up really does go. I am a living witness. He asked me for the dollar amount. I got the dollar amount. I, it went from Cornerstone to my landlord. If you want to know his name, I can give you that. <laughs> but, but do know, that was, that was your giving. And uh, there are people now in the Bay Area who are getting the Holy Ghost, who are getting baptized. And, and God's honoring your giving. By even, by even putting some of your, your, um, your flock, amen, right, I, just blocks away from us, amen. So um, God is honoring your giving, and just know that you are giving more that reaches further than you'll ever see. Just know that, hallelujah, and you have a reward in heaven in Jesus' name. Somebody shout a big, healthy amen. Somebody say, I believe that. Praise God, hallelujah, amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 6. This is a lesson um, I taught at our church uh, a few months ago. And um, I feel a little preach on my heart here today. And uh, let's get right into this. Love and appreciate the males. And God bless them. Thank you for having me. Amen. 8 and 6 says, Set me as a seal upon thine heart. As a seal upon thine arm for love. Everyone say love. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath the most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Everyone say love. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, everyone say love, it would be utterly contemned. And I want to preach to you on the power of love. The power of love. Amen. The power of love. Can you say that with me? The power of love. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would touch us today and help us to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Lord, guide me through this sermon. Touch my lips and allow me to speak as the oracle of the Lord to minister with grace, with faith, with encouragement. 
Let there be a strong spirit of peace, prosperity, and hope enter into this house. Let there be a confirmation of your word in Jesus' name. And someone shout amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The opening verse in this book states that the book is called the Song of Songs. And I know we have it titled as Songs of Solomon, but the real name of the book is Song of Songs. And what is meant by this is that it is the best of the best. It is a Hebrewism that we find all throughout Scripture. And some of the more well-known examples of this would be phrases like holy of holies or king of kings. And so this book is titled Song of Songs. The reason that it is called that is because Solomon himself was an extremely prolific writer. 1 Kings 4 and 32 tells us that he literally wrote thousands of Proverbs and songs. But he himself, Solomon, considered this one to be his crowning achievement. And he was not the only one. This book, if you're familiar with its contents, was hotly debated over because of its contents as to whether it even belonged in the Bible. But it was the esteemed and wise Rabbi Akiva who argued for its inclusion in the texts or in the Bible. And he said this, While all of the sacred writings are holy, the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. The controversy of this book does not simply lie in its contents and their intended meaning, but also in its author. Some have argued that it's not possible that Solomon wrote this book because It documents an intense, monogamous relationship between two people. And Solomon was not that. Solomon, if I could put it lightly, was a serial polygamist. But the counter-argument, which is a good one, is that this book, like Ecclesiastes, is a repentant writing. It is Solomon reflecting on what love really is and what love is supposed to be and how love really works and how wrong he really was. This eight-chapter book has generated more commentary than almost any other book in the Bible. In fact, the first biblical commentary known to Christianity was written on songs of songs or songs of Solomon in the third century by origin. Both the early Jew as well as Christian have viewed this book as an allegory of God's love for Israel. And as Christianity emerged on the scene, the story began to morph into God's love for the New Testament church. This allegorical interpretation is understandable. The amount of scripture in the Bible where both Israel then the church are described as God's bride is clear and undeniable. I personally believe that adjacent to that revelation, this book has something to say to us about the monogamous love that can be shared between a man and a woman. I think this book has something to tell us about the power that is produced when a man and a woman love one another. And I should have got a bigger amen on that. No other book in the Bible is written as a dialogue of love. None other. Only this book says we will start on the platform of love. And not just any kind of love. We're not talking about the love that the Bible asks us to have for our neighbor. We're not talking about the love that the Bible asks us to have for our children. We're talking about the very foundation of all civilization and humanity. The love that exists between a man and a woman. The love that must exist between a man and a woman. And not just in any way, but within the confines of a monogamous relationship. Somebody say amen. Like
like the love of God, profound love for another person of the opposite gender demands devotion of the whole self. Some people do opt to love people of the same gender. It's a lot harder to love somebody of the opposite gender. They are nothing like you. You might speak the same language, but don't mean the same language. You can eat at the same restaurant and not like the same meal. Well, it's going to get good before it's all said and done. Loving someone of the opposite gender demands devotion. It demands repentance. Thank you. (laughs) It demands repentance. It demands forgiveness. It demands suffering. Got a little quiet there. Hallelujah. And it demands sacrifice. Just like the love of God for us and us for God. It's got to have repentance. It's got to have forgiveness. It's got to have suffering. It's got to have sacrifice or it will not work. This is not part of my message, but let me drop this on you very quickly. A lot of times people are frustrated that their relationship is not working. In math, it doesn't matter how big a number is. If you multiply it by zero, it's in life, it's the same way. It doesn't matter how big your efforts are, how great they are. If you have a zero in one area, it negates all your efforts. More people need to work on their zeros. Because if you can get that zero up to just a one, all of a sudden your effort, if you can get it to a two, brother, all of a sudden things start clicking and working like they never have. You've got to score. You've got to get one. You've got to. It'll change everything, all your efforts, all your counseling, all your talking. All, man, all of a sudden, the payback, you'll, you'll get a windfall from it all. But you got to get up. You, gotta, you cannot afford to have zeros. You cannot afford to sleep on the couch. You cannot afford to have no talking. You cannot afford to not have a date. You cannot afford to not be alone. You cannot afford to... You cannot afford to not agree about anything. You got to get up one. And if you can, get up two and get up three and get up. Come on, somebody. Help me preach right now. I want to help you. I could preach till you run the aisles, but I want to help you. I could preach till you run the aisles, but I'd rather preach till you remember what you said when you came down the aisle. Hallelujah. Let's praise Jesus right now. Hallelujah. The love, the love that exists between a man and a woman within a marriage levels things out in a way that no, that nothing in society can do, that no philosophy can do, that no social experiment can do. I believe that. One of the most fascinating things about this book is that over half of it is written from the perspective of a woman. Once again, an earmark of the book, something that only happens in this book. In a time when women were probably silenced, this book decided to explore the power of a conversation, which is exactly what this book is. It is a conversation between a man and a woman. I'm just going to drop this in here for fun. This book is written in three voices, to be honest. The first voice is the voice of the woman. The second voice is the voice of her male lover. And then a very small fraction, about 13%, is written by a group called Friends. And that's exactly the way a healthy relationship should be. I'm telling you, once you get married... Only a very small fraction of your relationship should involve 
friends. There are marriages here right now. And I'm not, I'm not, you have a wonderful pastor. I would go to him for any problems I have in my life. But let me say this. There are marriages here right now that there is a hit you're taking because somebody is listening too much to their friends. You need to, come on, you need to get wholly devoted, wholly dedicated. You need to silence out all the voices and say, you know what? This is between me and my husband. If our pastor needs to get involved, then he's getting involved. But other than that, we're not going to put too many... We're not going to inject too many voices into this. We want victory in this marriage. We want power in this marriage. We want these kids to flourish. And it's not going to be done by us and 30 of our friends. And it's not going to be done by us. And Come on. He married you, not you and your best friend, sister. Come on. She married you, not you and your buddies. Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on. We're talking about... This is why our society's in trouble. Marriage is between a man and a woman, not a man, woman, and their best friends. It's between, come on, somebody. Somebody help me preach right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you from zero to one. From zero to... Come on, get excited about this. Praise Jesus. He's talking to you. You didn't think you were going to get this. He's talking to you. And somebody say amen. amen. Initially, we see that, that, it, that had it not been for sin, man and woman would have had a complementary and equal standing. And I know some people are saying they still do. Men and women are not equal. And that's not saying that women are lesser. We, we get our minds so full of society's lies. There are some areas where women are way stronger, way more sophisticated, way more ahead of men, and vice versa. Facts, all facts. And that's the way, initially, God wanted there to be equality. Initially, God wanted there to be a fine-tuned balance. And we can make that assumption based on nothing more. And I could give you a plethora of scriptures on nothing more than the fact that the scripture says, and they, male and female, were made in the image of God. But there was a problem. There was a problem. The woman fell. Her husband fell with her. And in this fall, God enters the scene. And in Genesis 3.16, he speaks to Eve and he tells her, Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. In so many words, Eve is told that she will live with an insatiable longing for her husband. And the desire will be so strong that it'll leave her in a deficit. And the desire will not be equal. She will not desire, her man will not desire her like she desires him. This happens today. There's women here right now without their husbands. But there's a longing in your heart that your husband would just be right here. Let me, let me show you what a healthy, monogamous relationship can actually do. Songs 7 and 10 says, I am my beloved's. This is the woman speaking now. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Solomon takes the word desire, which only appears twice in the entire Bible in this way, in Genesis and then in Songs of Solomon. And shows us that when love is at work, things begin to level out. 
And now the man loves his wife just as much as she loves him. And now the man desires her just as much as she desires him. You're not going to get that through feminism. You're not going to get that, amen, through any kind of philosophy or social drive. You're not going to get that, amen, out there in society. I'm telling I'm telling you right now, there is nothing. God's, God's system and design is perfect. I'm telling you, if there's anything that can really level out, amen, and, and not cancel out, but level out, amen, all of, the, all of the imbalances between men and women, it's a marriage. And I know that some of us aren't shouting right now because we don't perceive our marriage that way. But let me tell you something. Let me give you a little pro tip. When you hear somebody talk to you about the power of marriage, even if you don't possess that, you ought to shout about it because you can possess it. You can have it. It can happen in your life. You can want him and you can want her and you can want each other. I believe that marriages can be like that. I believe that a husband can think about his wife just as much as she thinks about him. I believe. I don't need society to do that for me. I don't need psychology to do that for me. I don't need some philosophy to do that for me. I need love to do that for me. Only love. Come on. Love is stronger than death. Love can't be drowned out. When you get love in your marriage, when you get love in your family, Come on, come on, come on. Come on, somebody praise God. Brother Prado, I know not everybody's here is married. You know what, those of you that are single, I don't care if you're 7 or 21. I don't care if you're 31, 41, 51. You need, you need to hear me good. Amen. We need to, we, this is God's design. We need to get excited about it. Hallelujah. We need, to, we need to desire that. Hallelujah. And I know that some people will be single the rest of their life. And that is a gift from God. And there's nothing wrong with being single. But the rest of us, we need to get behind marriage. We need to support. And let me just say this. If you are single, you're not some B-grade saint. Hallelujah. You're, you're not. I, we love you here. You're not just some spare part in the church. Hallelujah. You are a vital, integral part of the bedrock of this church. You are part of the foundation and the cornerstone. But you can be single and shout about the power of a monogamous marriage. You can be single and shout about the power of love. You can, and you could be a young person in high school, in college, in elementary school, whoever you, you know why I'm preaching this right now? Because I feel like the devil's been coming against the marriages, telling them this marriage thing ain't all it's cracked up to be. Brother, it's all it's cracked up to be, and then some. You ain't even explored the... Come on. Come on. I hope nobody's letting some sisters run by themselves. We're the men. We're the men running on the power of marriage and on the power of a monopoly. Marriage is all it's cracked up to be. Oh, come on, let's magnify him right now. Come on, go, 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 go. Hallelujah. I want you to stop just for a moment. Consider Ephesians chapter 5, which is often paired with Songs of Solomon. It says, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's how powerful, that's how powerful a marriage is, is that God says, I'll take that as my prototype. I'll take that as my model. As this woman and man in songs allow themselves to communicate their desire for one another, they repair the relationship between man and woman that was fractured so long ago by sin and disobedience. Baptism reverses the effects of sin. Getting the Holy Ghost Repairs the effects of sin. And so does marriage. 
and so does marriage, and so does childbearing. I need some more people than that. I'm telling you, you know why you don't believe this? Not because you don't like this. Not because you learn different in your college class. I'll tell you why you don't believe this. Because there's a spirit permeating, permeating our society, trying to divide people, not just by race and gender, but trying to divide marriages already in existence. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, husband, wife, I could call you out right now. There's a marriage here that if all you did was come home every day and pray before you started fighting, your marriage would take a radical turn. You got to shake the dust off from the world before you walk in the house sometimes. You got to, I'm telling you, you got to shake off all the voices in society and tell yourself, this really is God's plan. This really does work. This really can be powerful. This really can heal. This really can repair. This, re- this really does have something to teach me. This really. divorced and I still believe in the power of love. My husband's not here and I still believe in the power of love. Walked out on me and I still believe on the power of love. I had to learn how to brush my daughter's hair because my wife walked out on me and I still believe in the power of love and I still support the marriage. Just because mine didn't work out doesn't mean it's not God's design. Doesn't mean it's not Come on, come on, come on. I'm being honest with you. Intimacy, love, desire, under. Everyone say under. Under strict parameters, what we call marriage is under attack in our society. They want your central nervous system, if you will, to be on the outside, not on the inside. They want it exposed. They want it on the internet. They want it on magazine stands. They want it on billboards. I don't care what you say. They want you acting like a crazed animal in the club, in the parades, in the marches. We don't do that. There's some things that are not public because their power is in intimacy. Sexuality does not need to be on display. Sexuality does not need to be on display. Not in the church. Not outside the church. It's not helping anybody. It's not doing good for anybody's marriage. It's not. And I know that perhaps there are some visitors here and you're listening to Brother Prado for the first time. And I know that perhaps you're even thinking, man, this is getting a little uncomfortable. You have no idea how uncomfortable I'm willing to get. But I'm letting you know right now. You only have to live a little bit to know, you know what, listen, Brother Prado was not raised in church. Brother, those of you who were not raised in church, I hope you help me preach right now for our kids' sake and for some of our visitors' sake. Hold on. You don't need to live very long in the world to know that when you let loose your sexuality, nothing good comes of it. You don't learn anything the good way that way. You learn things the hard way that way. Your life becomes shattered. You become suicidal, depressed. You... Monogamy and intimacy and marriage. It does not hinder, it heals. It heals. If you don't want to roast yourself, I'll roast myself. There are all kinds of kinks and chinks and dents and dings that I had in my life. And I'm sorry, they did not go away in the water. And they did not go away when I talked in tongues. But they did go away when my wife was like, what is wrong with you? Thank you, Sister Mayo, for helping me today. Hallelujah. 
I'm telling you, we ought to welcome that kind of stuff. That's why some people detest their marriage, because there's actually somebody for the first time who has no choice but to tell them, what is wrong with you? Marriage will heal you. But you've got to put it on a pedestal. You've got to get all the friends out of it. You've got to drink out of your own cistern. You've got to stay in your lane. It never fails to amaze me how many people with busted, broken up marriages wait to get in the parking lot and tell other people what to do about theirs. Parking lot counselors, you need to cut that out. You need to go work on your driveway before you get on the highway. Come on, somebody. Brother Prado's still preaching good. Brother Prado, this should still get an amen, a shout, a little fist. Come on, fight for your marriage. Cherish your marriage. Love your wife. Love your husband. Get all the people out of it. Get all the voices out of it. Zero in on. Stay in your lane. Drink out of your cistern. Songs 1 and 2 says, thy love is better than wine. Love is intoxicating. No, it's better than intoxication. The stuff you feel for someone you love. Man, it's better than drugs. In the mid-1970s, 1,000 children were followed every two years until they were 15. And then again at 18. And then again at 21, 26, and 32. At ages 21, 26, and 32, they were given individual assessments on their mental health and their substance abuse. And particularly marijuana and alcohol. Furthermore, they were asked to report on the number of partners they had each year. For both men and women, the odds of developing substance dependence or abuse increased in direct proportion to the number of partners they had. The relationship was particularly pronounced, however, for girls or for women now. Women who had a higher number of sexual partners increased in their substance abuse. Love is better than wine. Love fills you up more than ecstasy. Love fills you more than cocaine. Love does more than marijuana. Love is better than wine. Love, a marriage, a healing, powerful, monogamous relationship is better than wine. Not good ass, better than. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Somebody help me right now. Some of you know, had you just got more into your marriage, you never would have gone into drugs. I need somebody who knows, had you just got a little bit more into your marriage, you never would have got into abusing things. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, love is better than wine. Love will make you throw a bottle out the door, wake up, and go get a job. Love will, ma- love, will make you, love will make you flush cocaine down the toilet. Love will make you come home when you're supposed to come home. Love will make you throw away all kinds of dope and go take care of your children. Love will help you. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you that. I don't. Come on. Spokane. Cornerstone. We got to fight the voice. We got to fight. Love is better than what? 
Come on. I need, I need total support right now. If you don't support me, just hide. You know, you don't got to clap. But those of you who support this, come on. Love is better than pornography. Love is better than wine. Love is better than dope. Love is better than adultery. Love is better than fornication. Love is better. 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 Love. Love is better than depression. Love is better than suicide. Love is better than. Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is the church. We believe this. Come on. Is there anybody who's lived a little and you know what I'm talking about? Is there anybody who's still? Is there anybody? Is there anybody in this building that wakes up before the rest of the family? still in the morning hours you say I don't deserve this don't deserve this roof don't deserve these healthy kids I just want to encourage somebody. Maybe you're thinking, Brother Paul, that's not how my marriage worked out. Can I encourage you? It can happen. I'm telling you, there's people in this congregation who thought it was over. And tomorrow morning, they'll sit at their table with a cup of coffee while the kids are sleeping, and they'll drop a tear. And they'll realize... Just when I thought life tanked me, God gave me a second chance. God gave me. Can we lift our hands just for a few seconds? There's a wonderful spirit here right now, isn't there? There's a wonderful spirit here, isn't there? It's okay to feel this. It's good to feel this. You know, I'm sorry. I know I'm taking a while. I, I got to preach three times today. I, I'm telling you. The other day I was at the library studying. I'm not saying this to sound smart. I just want to give you context for this. 
I was at the library studying Hebrew, and a man, the, one of the librarians, he walked by. I was in a quiet room. It's all glass. He walked by. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm studying Hebrew. He said, you go to church? I said, yeah. I said, I'm the pastor of the church. You know, you know what I do, sister? Sister Mary, I take out all my books. And in my backpack, I've got a little picture of my wife and my kid. And I put that on the desk. Because there was a day, Brother Ben, when I didn't think about nobody. There was a day where I did whatever I wanted to. Didn't care about my parents. Didn't care about what anybody thought. Didn't even care about myself. And this marriage stuff, it's the core of your being. This kid stuff, this family stuff, this ain't no joke. This ain't something you do just to post 50 pictures of your kids on Facebook. This stuff is about futures and past, healing and brokenness, redemption. It's the hope of humanity. It's part of God's plan and design. It's not some, it's not some little neat peripheral thing that mammals do. man said, he was fascinated at first, he was a minister, he was fascinated at first by all the Hebrew and the text, and he said, what is that? And I said, that is my wife and my kids. He said, you carry that with you everywhere you go? I said, everywhere I go. And you could tell he froze. And you could tell, you could tell his marriage had failed. You could just read it on him, and his face just, his countenance dropped. And he just, you could just see it. He was just thinking to himself, had I just tried? Had I just got one? Had I just got my zero to a one? I could have had all the Bible says I could have. I've had, uh, please, I hope I do, I do not make this sound bad. And, and I'll, I'll put a redemptive lift on this in the end. I, I had a man one time pretty much tell me, you've got to choose between family and ministry. I went and I told your pastor, I said, man, Brother Mayo, this man told me this. Brother Mayo, I no sooner got the last sentence out of my word. He said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I know that sometimes faith and family, they, they contend for some pretty high spaces. And I know sometimes there's conflict and clashes and sparks fly. And I know sometimes there's hurt. But let me tell you, you can do both. You don't have to choose one or the other. The two, come, the two can flourish simultaneously. Even with dysfunction. Even with arguments, even with broke, it can, if, if faith is allowed into family and family is allowed into faith, the two flourish. But we have to be convinced of that. We have to talk that, pray that, fast that, walk that, shout that, amen that. We have to sit down. In moments of stillness and quiet and ask yourself, what does faith and family look like? I'm, I'm almost done. Psalms 1 and 6. It says, look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children, the Hebrew says, my brothers were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. The man responds and says, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Let me tell you what's going on. 
in Bible times, much like today. The women didn't like their skin getting too darkened. But these were already Mediterranean people. Just a little bit of time in the sun, and they'd get really darkened. Every culture has issues. Every culture. And she says to her Lord, she says, don't look at me. She said, I've been burned by the sun. Not only have I been burned by the sun, I was burned by my brothers. My family dynamics were not good. She said, in fact, they were, they were so bad that I started neglecting myself. I didn't take care of myself. I was taking care of everybody else. I raised my siblings. I worked. I was blasted by life. And he says, behold, thou art fair. My love, thou art fair. And you know what's incredible, Brother Mayo? He proceeds, and I won't go into it all because it just, it takes too long to explain. He proceeds to describe this woman that he loves from the neck up. He says, girl, it ain't about how you look. I love you. It ain't about what your brothers did to you. I love you. Yeah, I know you let yourself go, but I understand. You just didn't have time to take care of yourself and things got out of hand. I love you. You're no less of a human. You're no less of a person. And you're no less loved by me. It's been my experience. And I, I, it's probably a good 50-50 split. But in a lot of marriage, not all, but in a lot of marriage, you will have somebody who had a hard life. In a marriage, there will be one person who got burned, who suffered, who took a lot of hits, and who stopped taking care of himself. Whatever that means. For some, that's alcohol. For some, that's drug abuse. For some, that's overeating. For some, that's cutting. For some, that's attempts at suicide. It has a lot of different interpretations. But love repairs all that. And let me tell you something. Visitor, saint of God. I would rather be in a place where judgments and values are on a moral scale. And we're looking from the neck up and not from the neck down. And we're more interested in how you think and how you feel and what you say and how you behave than to be part of a cold world. Some are thinking, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. I'm in a good place. I'm in the presence of God. And all around me, there are healthy, well-adjusted, functioning marriages. I'm in a place where divorce rates are low. I'm in a place where drug and alcohol abuse is low. I'm in a place where they shout about my marriage like they shout about theirs. I'm in a place... Where the preacher comes and gets in my business. And in case you're wondering, young, struggling couple, you have more hope here than out there. Let's stand. Let's magnify Jesus here. Come on. Come on.
Come on, let's magnify the Lord. Come on, let's magnify the Lord. Oh, come on, let's really praise him. Let's really praise him. The Bible talks about a word that is perfectly fit. Brother Prado, I am so thankful for your preaching and your ministry here today because this was a word of healing and a word of direction. One more time, let's lift our hands. This was a word from the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? This altar is open right now. Whoever you are, wherever you are, come. Come. This is a time for vulnerability right now. I don't care what people think. This is not an admission of guilt. This is just God. I need to start work right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Come on. Maybe you want to maybe you want to hold hands with your husband or your wife and just just come and stand around the front and say, "You know what? Let's go pray." Come on. Come on. This altar's open. Come on. Come on, let's pray. God is here. God is here. God is here. God is here to heal. God is here to renew. God is here to restore. Let's pray.